Hey everyone, this is Mike Andes, and you're listening to the Business Bootcamp Podcast. Today we're going to be answering a couple questions that have kind of slipped through the cracks, cracks over the past few weeks, uh, but I wanted to answer them a little bit of a miscellaneous questions. We're going to be talking about uh, the branding and the name of your company, what you should be naming it, and then we're also going to be talking about uh, when you are trying to get out of the field or really just make a company that runs by itself. So let's jump right into these questions. These are two questions that came in via the website businessbootcamppodcast.com and then they just went to the contact page and submitted a question. Now, before we get into today's show though, I want to say a big thank you to today's sponsor. Before I thank my sponsor, I need to say sorry for my my voice. It's a little bit shot from my trip to Europe. I just got back a few days ago, but still recovering, so forgive the the bad throat quality uh, and sound. But uh, we do want to thank today's sponsor, which is Vast Conference, and they've jumped on in as a sponsor, been a big supporter of the show. And if you haven't already, go to conferencecalling.com slash trial offer. And I know this isn't for everybody as far as uh, using this software. It's definitely for someone that has a mobile uh, business as far as they have people around the country or they have people around their state or they have people around the world that they need to interact with and communicate with. I think communication is an imperative part of your business and we're going to be jumping into that you know, in a couple episodes about communication and about how what, what certain levels need to be in your company of communication, how to facilitate team meetings, etc., uh, I had a question come in from a doctor that I want to address here on the show live. Uh, but uh, we talk about communication, all of that. Well, this is a key component of trying to keep your team together when they are spread up, spread up, spread afar, whether you have freelancers or designers or people that are working uh, in sales and even if they're working on your website, things like that. It's important to bring them all together and have them get them to have the bigger the bigger picture. I've dealt with especially software companies that have freelancers all over the place and they wonder why they burn through developers at an incredible rate of like one a month and a lot of times it's because they don't bring them together and give them the collective vision of the company so what conferencecalling.com allows you to do what vast conference allows you to do is bring your team together and seamlessly communicate with them without interference of technology so there's skype you know, there's other free softwares out there, but they just do not compare to conferencecalling.com. And if you're using it for an enterprise uh, function like a team of, of professionals and engineers and, and tech people, you want to make sure you don't have the bad audio. You don't have to have people download special software. They can just use it on, in their inside of their browser. And so one of the things about uh, conferencecalling.com is they're allowing us to have this free 30 days. Usually they give 14 days, but they're giving us uh, 30 days. But you just got to go to conferencecalling.com slash trial offer. And what they're doing is 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 pretty phenomenal. And one of the things I like that with, about what, what they're doing is their screen sharing capability. So they do the calling and they do the, the really good audio. That's what I like about their audio for the, the conference calling. But they also do screen sharing. And like this is high definition screen sharing that you can actually see what the person's talking about. Uh, uh, and you don't have to download anything. Like I said, you just go right into the browser. Right from that screen sharing, you can send files and chat with people uh, as well as it integrates with Calendar. Uh, so you can easily set up uh, more dates and uh, follow-up meetings f- during the screen sharing. And it, it just, it's pretty phenomenal. So check it out, conferencecalling.com slash trial offer. I've seen a lot of wannabes 
as far as when it comes to call a conference calling and I've experienced firsthand, whether it be through interviews or through previous experiences with work, software that just doesn't work when you start adding 20, 40, 50 people on it. And this certainly does. So check it out. Now, today we are going to be talking uh, about a couple different questions and I wanted to jump right into those. Uh, Some people have been asking me what uh, books I've been reading, so I'm going to try to uh, bring those more out. I think I brought, I, I told you a few that I've been reading uh, on the last episode. I want to continue to do that. Uh, right now, I'm listening to a couple good books, one about the workplace at Google, and then uh, another one is from The Great Courses, Audible. Uh, so on Audible, they have these what's called Great Courses, and they take uh, college professors and, and essentially give them uh, you know, 40, you know, there's some of them are 20, 40 hours long worth of audio content about business and entrepreneurship and a whole bunch of different other uh, subjects. So pretty cool there. That's what I'm listening to right now. But I want to jump into two questions today about uh, just really just two random questions that kind of came in that I haven't really got a chance to get back to. So the first one's from Jake and Jake asked, he says, I would like to go into entrepreneurship and I keep getting stuck with choosing a business name. I am planning to go in the tech industry. So I would be interested in hearing hints on choosing a business business name and it seems so critical on the professionalism and appearance of a company. So uh, first I would say, oh, first I would say this, there's a bunch of people that have asked me in this past few, in the past month. So if you've asked me a question about this, this is why I'm kind of addressing it here. Uh, a lot of people ask me about well, what should I name my company? What are the boundaries? Uh, I'm going to talk about some of the boundaries and what I think about this. However, I want you to keep in mind it doesn't really matter. So take everything I say uh, with a massive grain of salt and that I really don't think your name matters all that much. Now, a lot of you are going to be like, well, what about branding? What about, you know, making right name recognition? What about the whole, like, two-syllable thing? What about having a, a, a word, a consonant in the word that is like an X or a K or a C that is striking and will stand out? Yes, I think there's all of that, and it's very important. We're going to talk about some of that. However, did you know that... When Nike first started, because Nike is the like the the when everyone thinks about branding or they think about you know naming their company, they're like, well, I should name it something creative, like like Nike, because Nike is the Greek uh, goddess, uh, like mythical uh, thing that represents victory, and so Nike was a pretty phenomenal branding standpoint. But I want you to I want you to, to remember that Nike, or maybe you don't know that. Nike didn't start off as Nike. They started off as a company called Blue Ribbon, uh, and they sold uh, uh, shoes called Tigers. So um, I wouldn't get too worried about, especially when you're starting. Like, Jake, you're just starting, and a lot of people asking this question are just starting their business. And they get very wrapped up in what the name of the company should be when I really don't think it matters when you're starting out. Uh, people aren't going to, you're not, you're not doing branding worldwide. You're not... Like, there's not this isn't this isn't a massive company. There's people are buying you for you, any times you utilitarian aspect of your company. What can you offer them? Services or products? Uh, yes, they're still very important to have local branding and all. I'm not discounting that. I'm saying don't let it get don't let it hinder you from starting your business. Uh, if literally Blue Apron slash Nike was built on the spot when he was when uh, Phil Knight was over in uh, Japan and he was in. Uh, in a shoe factory in Japan and they asked him, well, what's the name of your company? And he was kind of fronting as a a larger company because he wanted to get distribution in the U.S. And 
literally as they said it, he looked up and saw some ribbon. It was blue. He said, you know, the company's blue ribbon and they liked it. And so uh, I wouldn't get too hung up about what the name of your company is. You can fix that down the road if you start to grow and scale up. And once you get some traction, you'll start to get a feel of what works in your marketplace, uh, what's more standard in your industry and what your customers will know, like, and trust when it comes to naming and branding. So don't get hung up over it. Uh, at, at the very beginning. That's what I would be saying. Uh, just go and do. However, there are some conventions that I would you know, push you towards using, especially if you're starting out, especially if you have a service-based business. I would not use some random name like Nike uh, that you're going to have to train your customer on, or you don't have millions of dollars to brand and show people that, that swoosh or show them that Apple logo or show them uh, what like Google is a great word. And we all know it today. However, they have billions of dollars invested in making everyone make, making sure everyone knows what Google means and making sure what it stands for and what it represents. If you don't have that kind of money, and if you're not going to be making a, a hundred billion, two hundred billion dollar company, it might be in your best interest to create a brand that is self-explanatory as far as what you do. For instance, Augusta Lawn Care Services. That's the name of my company. Our URL is AugustaLawnCareServices.com. That's A-U-G-U-S-T-A. Augusta is, I have some sort of branding. It's a golf image. Uh, Our logo is is a golf sort of theme, and it ties back to being the fact that Augusta is really the home of the Masters, the, uh, the Masters Golf Tournament, PGA. And so... Uh, that when people think about Augusta and Augusta National and what happens in Augusta, Georgia for the Masters, they think of elaborate, immaculate uh, landscapes and beautiful, beautiful turf and just complete obsession with the fine details of, of, the, of, the, of the landscaping. And so that's why I named it Augusta. And that's why we have this theme of golf and our name, our tagline is your personal greenskeeper. Uh, however, uh, I wouldn't, say that that's you know the primary success of our company or anything like that however there are certain things you want to be thinking about think about font like i'm not going to go into all of this because i could spend hours on each of these things like font color uh the shape of like when i say font and and also shapes of your logo those matter there's there's plenty of data about out there about sharp corners and like squares versus circles versus accents so if you notice if you look at augustalongerservices.com and you look at our logo, you will see accents in the logo. And that is a, there's a reason for that. And, you know, there's, there's proven studies about, you know, squared off corners uh, have let people invoke less feelings of trust than circular uh, shapes. And circular shapes invoke less than accent shapes. So that's why I put accents in to our logo. Now, all of this has, has pros, has cons, there's uh, anomalies, there's people out there that do differently. Uh, Colors is a big thing. If you're trying to go after an older demographic and you want to invoke feelings of trust, a dark brown, like a UPS, uh, or a, 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 a blue, kind of like IBM, is going to be invoke, invoke feelings of trust and uh, steadiness and that you're going to be there and on time, things like that. Uh, if you're going for a tech company, you can get a little bit brighter, a little bit uh, more creative. If you're going after a younger audience, oranges aren't going to fit very well with an old demographic. Uh, orange is going to work really great 
for a younger audience. Look at Snapchat, that bright yellow. That is going to appeal to a younger audience, and thus they have a younger audience, not just because the color of their logo, but because their whole branding and everything is geared towards it of you know the 12 to the 30-year-old. That's Snapchat is who that is geared towards, and they made sure that their logo and everything really does reflect that, that bright yellow. Uh, so there's lots and lots of things we could talk about. The name of the company, then it comes down to logo as far as color and the shapes and uh, yes, even the sounds of the words. How many uh, uh, syllables are in the word? Nike is two syllables. I'd try to stick to two syllables if you can. Uh, that's one thing I wish I could change about Augusta. Um, however, like I said, there's always anomalies of successful companies that do just fine with three and four and, and more uh, as far as the branding. Uh, but I would be looking for, you know, two syllables if you could. Uh, the, the, like I said, I, I mentioned the strong constants, like a K, Nike, and there's other plenty of other examples that have that strong constant K, C, Q sounds, X, that really stand out and are, make it different than everyone else. Uh, and so there's lots and lots. We could go on and on and on. I wouldn't get hung up over the name. I wouldn't get hung up of the colors or, or the logos or the shapes. I'd start. This is the problem. This is why I always, and this is why I could... I could really, you know, nerd out on all this other stuff, but just start. 95% of the people ask me this question about their name of their company haven't started. And so I push you just to go start, figure out your marketplace, get it to profitability, and then figure out, okay, once you actually have some data and you're not just randomly pulling numbers out of the air, because you don't have money right now to go get a test group and ask them what sounds best and what, what, what feelings they have when they hear certain words or see certain logos. You just don't have the money for that. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you utilize your time and money correctly. And that's probably better used advertising or getting equipment or getting started using startup capital, getting the company on the road. And so I would highly recommend you just get a name and you start figure out everything else later in the game. And because it is important, I'm not discounting that, but I am saying starting is more important than perfecting. So I hope that makes sense. Now, this next question is a little bit longer. And uh, it's a long question, and I'm going to have a short answer, but I, I have kind of let this one slip through the cracks as far as getting back to everyone. As I got back from my trip, I've been trying to get back to every single question, and I'm almost there, but there's a few of them here I just got to get kind of got back to, and I figured this is a long question. I want to read it, and then I will respond accordingly. So this comes from uh, someone named by the name of Ryder, and Ryder writes in about his his cleaning services, Conrad Cleaning Services LLC. So I'm gonna go ahead and read this, and it's just kind of 90% of it just background, and then I will give my my opinion here. So it says, "Hey Mike, first off." I would like to thank you for all the content I've received from you over the last six or so months of tuning in. I'm a regular subscriber and am tuned on, oh, and was turned on to your podcast from a friend who started a local landscape business in Eugene, Oregon, who was on your show about 18 months ago. There's a variety of business coaching material available out there, but so much of it bleeds out into other areas outside of small business. I really, really appreciate your focus and ability to convey concepts into a way that I can understand and apply a little bit so now here he goes uh writer says a little bit about me and my business i am 26 year old 26 year old 26 years old <laughs> sorry sometimes I, I get uh caught up in your guys's writing but that's fine just keep keep the questions coming <laughs> here we go she says i am 26 years old and have worked as an employee for someone else for 12 years 
and recently started a small, my own small commercial cleaning business. In May 2017, my niche was and main market is my niche and main market is the apartment turnover cleaning business. Since we began, revenue has jumped from $500 per month while I was working a full-time job to an average $9,000 per month of gross revenue after I quit my job, went full-time, and employed one full-time worker. That one-time full, one full worker uh, worked 35 to 45 hours weekly, and then I have one very part-time worker less than 10 hours per week over the last seven months. I work at most 40 hours per week myself at this point and really consider myself blessed with the kind of freedom this entrepreneurial lifestyle has given me. I have reached a point in my business where I have decided it is time to convert to an escort from an LLC and expand to other territory or into other lines of business. I have explored providing other services, begin studying for my Oregon CCB contractor's license and expanding in other areas, but I'm struggling with my focus on where exactly I want to take my business to keep it simple. I want to have a business that runs itself 90% of the time without my involvement and would like some advice on how to get there. Constructive criticism. Welcome. Thanks for your time. Ryder. And he's from Conrad cleaning services in Oregon. I'll say, okay, so Ryder, uh, I'm going to make this, this one short. First of all, I could, you know, dig into this question quite a bit more as far as your S corporate LLC. That sounds good. Uh, there's, Every single industry, a lot of people ask me about this sort of stuff, when to switch from an LLC to an S-Corp, when to go from a sole proprietor to an LLC, and when that should be. There's really no right answer. You got to do what's right for you, and you should definitely consult your your accountant. I'm addressing this only because there are other questions out there that have asked me this, Uh, and so every industry is different. Every single state is going to be a little bit different. Uh, depending on your accountant, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, so, but definitely consult with an accountant to figure out whether or not you should be switching and w- what the tax implications are going to be. That's the main thing when you're this small. Really, the only reason you be switching is it has some sort of tax advantage. Uh, that's the main reason. Uh, obviously, you know your liability and things too when you're going from sole proprietor to a corporation. But anyways, let's jump into this question. So essentially, what Ryder's saying is, hey, I've started this business th- over the past year. And uh, you, know, you know, scaled it up considerably from 500 bucks a month to 9,000 dollars per month. He's cleaning and he's doing it on apartment turnovers, which I think is a great business. Uh, so as I might have mentioned a few times during the podcast, several years ago, we started Augusta Cleaning Services. Uh, we ended up selling the contracts and just getting out of like a business. It wasn't high enough margin for me compared to a landscaping company where I can pump equipment and a bunch of other stuff in besides just a bunch of labor. And cleaning is very labor labor intensive. It's very hard to charge more than $40, $50 an hour. Whereas for landscaping, there are ways to do that with equipment, efficiencies, professionalism, et cetera. So I find it really interesting. Uh, So anyways, I do have a little bit of experience and I love the apartment turnover business because once a property management company once an apartment complex likes you and you do good work, you kind of have them locked in because they want to make it like it's not easy to be a, a property manager and have to do apartment turnovers. That that is when someone you know sell you know leaves the apartment complex and someone else new is coming in and they have to clean the whole, whole apartment. It's not easy to do that. It's a stressful time. Lots of work is involved for the property manager. Usually they have pressure from the owner to try to make that turnover as fast as possible. Uh, And a lot of times they're trying to make it within just a few days from the amount of time that someone moves out to the time someone comes in. So if you can be flexible, professional, and 
be quick to their service and they like the work you do, you're going to be able to stick with them for a long time because they just want to be able to call someone, get it done, move on. And there's, you know, they have a hundred other things they got to figure out during the, the turnover process. If they only have a few days, an apartment, uh, apartment property manager or, or uh, the manager of that apartment is going to be very, very busy. They want to get a new a tenant in there. They have pressure from the owner. They have pressure from tenants that have a specific date already locked in as far as when their rent starts. So they got to get it done. And they want someone dependable to clean that place. And you have to do that. And a lot of times it's coming, sometimes it's coming out of the a security deposit from the previous tenant. So I just like this business. Um, turn, apartment turnovers, you can have some margin in this. There's definitely some margin. Is not like, you know, weekly cleaning of someone's house and things like that. They're a little more difficult for cleaning businesses to make some some real good profit. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, definitely, this is this is something I like. Nine thousand dollars per month, pretty good. You're making like a hundred, hundred ten thousand a year <clears throat> as far as cleaning. That's very good by yourself with another person. Great. Now, this is this is where we're coming to, and this is the reason I answered this question. I want to do it quickly today and not dig too deeply into the nuts and bolts of this because I could spend hours talking about this. And we're going to be having a special episode, probably on the Landscape Business Course podcast, about some specific stuff for solo entrepreneurs uh, in the cleaning, landscaping, construction kind of sphere, or even in the professional sphere of like doctor, uh, lawyer, things like that. What kind, well, There's some specific advice I want to give to solo entrepreneurs and uh, how, not solo, but just small, like business, even with one or two employees. Like there's different ways of doing business than sometimes the way I talk on the on the podcast when you have 10, 20 plus employees. So anyways, that being said, what I like what hap- what Ryder is doing here, he's 26 years old, but he's figured out he's figured out and he's reverse engineered what he wants out of his business. So if he would have stopped two sentences before he did on this question and not told me that his 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 goal and his focus is to get him out of the business and have a business that runs itself 90% of the time. If he didn't put that in there and he said he didn't want to have it with his his involvement all the time, if he didn't put that in there, I would be giving a completely different set of advice as far as scaling the business, how to do that, how to get more employees, systems, procedures, growth. You know, I'd be talking more about sales and marketing, getting to those property managers and maybe giving some advice on how we've done that and how to do that and that's all fine and good. But his question came from a different angle and it said he wants to get out of the company and that's fine. There's nothing right or righteous about growing a company to being bigger. Bigger isn't necessarily better. What you got to do is figure out what you want your company to do for you and then reverse engineer and create a company that aligns with those goals. Too many people to start building a company have no objective as far as how much it needs to make for them to be happy, how much it needs to make for them to be profitable how much it means like they just don't do the numbers and they don't figure out reverse engineer what their goals what do you want from the company because otherwise the company's going to start taking from you that's kind of how i look at it and so i like that fact i like the fact that he's reverse engineer he said hey i'm not creating this business to make become you know 50 million dollar company uh because i promise you'd be doing doing things a lot differently right now uh ryan however you're you're figured out hey this is what I want from my out of my life and out of my business is 90% of the time, I don't want the business to have my involvement. Now, this is the thing, this is the problem. And this is not constructive criticism. This is not a criticism at all. This is just a, a note of caution for everyone that is in the shoes of Ryan that want, or sorry, writer, I keep calling you writer, uh, Ryan, but writer, uh, 
one note of caution is this. Think of it like this. If you want to be out of your business 90% of the time, that means that you're only involved 10% of the time. Uh, can you survive on 10% of the profits of that company? And the reason I'm asking this question is because too many, I find, too many people ask this, this question about getting out of their business too soon in the process. They start getting a little bit of sales, they get a little bit of success, a little bit of money starts coming in, and then they add, then they like, oh, this is great, I can step out of the business and it'll run by itself and it'll start to make money and I don't have to do anything and I don't have to show up to the office, it's gonna be easy, it's gonna be great, and I'm just gonna sit back and work you know, two or three hours a week to manage this thing. It all sounds fine and good, but if you go back a few episodes, I talked about if you're not running the daily operations, someone's got to, and if you're gonna hire someone to run the operations of your business, they're not gonna be cheap, and so you need to figure out what is the, the dollar amount of gross revenue and net profit that you need to get to for you to be able to hire someone to run the business, be able to have managers in place, have quality employees that you pay a little bit more because they're not being man micromanaged. How are you gonna get to that place and then like if you if you if you're not going to be there ninety percent of the time, ten percent now we're saying saying ten percent of what you're currently are doing, can you survive on ten percent of the profits? Because on one hundred ten thousand in revenue in annual revenue, and you might be paying someone twenty thirty thousand, you have a little bit of overhead. Like you're you're making a good you know good fifty percent profit margin right now, fifty sixty percent profit margin on your business, and so it's easy to be it's easy to say okay well now you're making fifty sixty grand in, in your pocket things are simple and it's like okay well i can just get one or two more employees they'll run everything i'll grow a little bit but then you got to got to remember when you get three four employees now you got to you got to manage those people they aren't just going to run them by themselves now you got more equipment do you got to get a shop do you got to get an office uh do you have to uh, get a manager over those people and that's going to increase overhead because they're not going to be have billable hours they're going to be running the opera the office side of things do you need someone to start answering the phones and so there's more and more overhead as you grow a little bit and there's that kind of gap between solo entrepreneur and a place where you can actually step out of the business because you've built it to a place where it can handle all of the overhead and it can handle the management fees and it can still pay you a, a good salary. There's a gap there. There's a gap and there's no number that I can give you. I can tell you kind of gen general, you know, there's a gap from, you know, 150,000 I'd say to about $800,000 that it's it's really tough to step out of the business because anything smaller than that is great because you can be a solo entrepreneur, you can get 50, 70% profit margin, uh, it's all fine and good. The problem is when you gotta get you know enough money to, to like I said, cover cost of overhead, extra management so that you can step out of the business 90% of the time. So this is something that everyone has to figure out by themselves. For some people, three or four hundred thousand dollars, they can make this happen. They can run it, run the business flat enough as far as hierarchical. Uh, they don't. They have a few employees, maybe. There's no management. They're not worried about growing sales, and maybe they'll get by with the three or four hundred thousand dollars and still be like kick out themselves fifty, sixty, seventy grand a year, and that's fine. That's great. You got to figure that out. I'm just my only note of caution that I'm kind of trying to bring up here is don't try to get out of the the business. Don't try to get out of day to day operations too soon. So and make it not work from a number standpoint. I find this way too often, and what happens 
is then someone gets a manager to kind of run the day-to-day operations, have a couple employees, and then they figure out they've got to you know get an office and they got more equipment all of a sudden, and now they have no money to kick out to themselves. And yes, they're only working you know five ten hours a week, but they're not making any money. And so what they do is like, okay, I got more sales because then I can generate more profit. And so they go out and get more sales, and then they get more sales, and they find they got to get more employees and more management and more equipment and bigger facilities. And then they, you're growing, they're scaling up, but all of a sudden it's, 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 it's a constant uphill grind. And they realize that now they're not making, they're not making any more money than they were before. And there's, because they're still trying to work them their way through that middle fear, uh, p- period toward, toward a, to a place where you reach critical mass and start making enough sales volume, actually start generating a profit. So what, a lot of times people get discouraged before they get to that point. Cause it takes a few years sometimes. And then they just scale back to being a solo entrepreneur. So if you're trying to be, you know, trying to get to that place of being uh, out of the business day-to-day operations, I would just really, really get really clear as far as what the numbers got to be for you to cover overhead and still take a profit and then cushion yourself like crazy. Like, take worst case scenario because the last thing you want is for you to only be working a little bit, that's all fine and good, but not making any money. And then having this in your mind that, hey, back when I was doing 110000 a year, having one employee, and working this thing by myself, I was able to make 50, 60, 70 grand in my pocket, uh, then it's very tempting to go back to that. And you don't want that to be a temptation if your goal is to get out of the business. So I would make sure at 26 year old, you have plenty of time, don't rush this. Make sure you get the company in a place where you know you can take a salary out and the company's gonna be just fine. And after that's after overhead, after additional management and all of that. A good way to get to this place before you jump into it is take a salary out of the company for a manager, put it into an account and, and see if the company survives. So if you can take your, your, your salary plus you're siphoning off the amount of money that would require to have a manager and you're able to survive and the company is able to break even at least, or at least get by, then maybe this is a route. That's that, that's the time that you know you can step out of the business and, be able to afford it. So make sure the numbers line up as, as I always talk about. And everyone says, you know, obsess about your numbers, know your numbers. And I promise you, it'll pay you big dividends. So thank you for listening. Again, this is Mike Andes with Business Bootcamp Podcast. If you have a question, send me an email. Uh, I like audio clips. So, you know, tip, pick up your iPhone, uh, pick up your, your smartphone, record an audio clip, send that to me as your question so I can play it here. I like the questions that, but like I had to read that one. It's kind of long. No one likes to listen to me. So send an audio clip. Uh, email is businessbootcamppodcast at gmail.com. And I, I look forward to it. So thank you again for listening. This is Mike Andes. And until next time, be great because nothing else pays.